Welcome to Untold Physio Stories, a podcast that informs and educates by connecting you to rehab industry leaders who share their candid successes and failures in business and practice. Welcome back to another episode of Untold Physio Stories. I am one of your hosts, Jason Shane from Shane Physiotherapy, with my co-host and traveling RV friend. <laughs> Dr. Ree with Minor Manual Therapy, EdgeMobilitySystem.com, UpDoc Media, etc. I'm trying to mix up our intros. I thought that one would surprise you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that, that hasn't even started yet. It hasn't not, started. It's not RV season yet. Oh, okay. Well, we've talked about it. So I'm really trying to, I, I'm looking forward to watching these episodes. You know, I'm sure for people who've listened to us a few times knows that uh, I think Urson and his family is going to be documenting their RV adventures. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to living it. Uh, so you have uh, a sort of a partial follow-up story to the podcast that we recorded a few months ago about does the size of a rotator cuff tear matter. You actually have a very recent patient story along those themes. For sure. Uh, one of our good friends, a neighbor who I've treated for shoulder pain before in the past and cervical pain, uh, his wife had to call me because he's military and he would never call me. Um, it's always like he's been hurting for five or six weeks or so, you know, X amount of times. Like one time he actually was had to crawl down the stairs to come see me for an acute low back pain. Um, so she finally called me and I said, hey, how long has this been going on? He said, three weeks ago, my left shoulder started hurting and then it stopped hurting, but now I, now I can't lift it. And, you know, I said, well, it should all take me about five minutes to see if it's actually like a major rotator cuff tear or rupture that needs surgery. And sure enough, I mean, cervical screen was clear, um, full, he had full passive range of motion in his shoulder, pain-free. Uh, his shoulder at the time was not hurting and, you know, just resisted abduction, resisted external rotation were well less than a three. He could not push um, in either one of those motions, uh, you know, if his life depended on it. And uh, Jason thinks there's a new name for this. I don't really look at special tests anymore because I don't do a lot of special testing, provocation testing. But, you know, in the presence of an injury, especially for the extremities, I think sometimes it's useful. So I, I just tried a simple drop arm test and you know, raising his arm up to at least 90, it just immediately drops to about maybe 30 degrees of abduction only. It was the most he could possibly lift it. And the rest of it was him just side bending his trunk or he said, he would say, hey, you know, look, I can lift it higher. And he would get it up to 200 degrees of scaption, but by throwing it up and like side bending his trunk rapidly, it was just all momentum. So I said, you know, you most likely this appears to be rotator cuff rupture, uh, or at least a major tear enough that you don't have the strength to actually stabilize your shoulder and, and raise it up actively, even though he, and you have full motion because you have it passively. So we understood a couple weeks later, he gets an MRI and they basically say you have a minor tear of two of your rotator cuff muscles, the super and infraspinatus, and he has a slap lesion, which I thought was interesting, but they recommended four to six weeks of PT. And if that doesn't work, then, uh, let's let's do surgery. And I thought I thought that was unusual. So I actually called Jason, not having seen a true drop arm 
Um, probably, I don't know if it, how common it is or if it's just because I see them after surgery, which I don't see a lot of post-op anyway, but I see mostly spinal and runners and, and gymnasts these days. So I, I said, I asked Jason, is this, is this common in the presence of a drop arm test? What would you do if you had these results on MRI? And I think what I said is, well, I think what I said is, you know, I think I said it is possible that the tear slash, even though you said he was in no pain, but that the supraspinatus infraspinatus could be causing some inhibition, if you want to call it that, or lack of his rotator cuff muscles to be able to stabilize enough for him to be able to do the movement. But I think I did say to you, it's pretty unusual to see a drop arm test. I mean, anytime I've seen a drop arm test, the person's been a surgical candidate. Right. I've, I've in 20 years, I've only maybe seen three or four that I can think of. And I don't know. It's not like this is a hundred percent accurate test. No, but no. they pretty much have all been surgical candidates. You know, I, I know, I know enough. And, and of course they've always said, oh, you know, Urson will really, if Urson says you need surgery, this is my neighbors. If Urson, Urson says you need surgery, you probably need surgery. <laughs> uh, and, and I said, I like you know, that. we can try physical therapy for a week or two and see what happens. And his wife texts me back. She's like, what's a week of PT going to do? And I'm like, if it does nothing, if there's literally zero improvement, then maybe you should consider instead of, I mean, I'm not necessarily sure what four to six weeks is going to do at this time. And, and interestingly enough, after the MRI, he actually had pain. <laughs> he didn't have pain yeah. before. Because he, he now knows that he has two tears in two different muscles. Right. And, you know, I, I, I think they were just, the MRI also said minor. And I, I said, you know, it's also a possibility. This is almost, I didn't want to be nocebo or, you know, causing a uh, a thought virus. But I, I do, I did say that many times when a surgeon actually goes in with a, with a scope, which is basically a camera, a mini, mini camera, that it, they always say, oh, this was a hundred times worse. I mean, we just thought there was minor arthritis in, in your knee. And it turns out there was a major, there was a major tear and there was severe arthritis and we had to go clean it. I mean, I've never heard a surgeon say it looked better than the MRI. It always looks worse. And what I always explain to patients, usually I'm trying to explain to them that it's not as bad as they thought uh, oh. reverse wise, because an MRI is an interpretation. It's like trying to see exactly what. Uh, the analogy I use is like if you spread like mayonnaise or mud all over a window, but you can still kind of see through some spots outside. Can you tell me exactly what the outside looks like versus you just take a picture of the outside, which is what the camera looks like? Of course, you're going to have a better idea of what of it looks like. No matter how many yeah. pictures of, of out, how many times you've looked outside the window, you know what it's supposed to look like. You're still only getting an interpretation because it's somewhat blurry. Exactly. And that's, that's where, I mean, and, you know, medical imaging is phenomenal. I mean, but, you know, it's, it's a few things. The actual picture taken may not have actually captured the size of the tears properly, or as you said, it's an interpretation. It so happens that the physician who read it, their interpretation of the tears might've been that they were small. And as I said to you, I talked to a physician who actually does the reading of it. And uh, this physician said that as far as she knew, there wasn't a standardization for the size, the length, you know, the distribution of these tears. Right. So as you said, that's probably why when the surgeons go in, they say it looks worse. It's just because I don't think it's the an issue with the physician looking at it. They just 
can't actually, I think, probably see it maybe accurate enough to give a good call as to how big or how small that tear actually is. Right. I mean, I'm always amazed. Other than spinal MRIs, every other type of MRI to me, uh, when I when I looked at it, you know, took imaging class, it just all looked like blobs. But I had a fair idea of what a cut and a portion of the spine looked like in certain views. But every mm. everything I see of the shoulder and the knee it just looks like blobs upon blobs. You know, because I'm not formally trained in that, but I had so much training in the spine and we all, I think, I don't know if I'm McKenzie and manual therapy training with Paris, I probably just looked at tons and tons and along with Rockabato, tons of like scans of that, but I don't look at shoulder or knee MRIs or scans that often. So, I mean, you know, I can see why errors can be made. Plus you combine that with this lack of standard nomenclature. We'll see. I mean, I have yet to see what the you know, what my neighbor decided on. And I think it could go either way, but he was just starting a new job and I don't think he really wanted to take more time off than possible than he needed to. So I was hoping that he just went towards surgical. You know what? Maybe surgical, a second surgeon would have said, we don't want to operate on this. And I just found that unusual because most surgeons usually just say, let's just operate on it right away. <laughs> Considering the so, drug arm test too. I'm like, did he actually move your arm? Did he watch you move? Yes. And and that's where I think that like, you know, we this is now sort of a follow up episode to does the size of the tear matter? We promise our listeners because I will pester Urson to find out what ends up being, you know, uh, what's the ending of this story, you know, in the sense that does this patient end up not getting surgery, but then regaining function or not regaining function? Or do they get surgery? And when they go in, what do they find? I think that's going to be an interesting follow up uh, for both ourselves and you, our listeners. Right. He's an engineer. Um, even though he's military, he's an engineer when he's when he's home. And you know, he doesn't need it's also his non dominant arm. He doesn't need to lift his left arm up that high to do his job. Yeah. So uh, I'm not necessarily sure what he need. Maybe he does opt for PT because he didn't want surgery, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, I told him if it's just a simple scope, um, you know, there's probably very little downtime anyway. So we'll see. Uh, keep pestering me, Jason. I'm going to text his wife right now. <laughs> Perfect. To do Perfect. To He'll probably say it's fine. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. And then send me a text and then let me know uh, as well. I will. All right. So thanks for listening. Uh, make sure I forgot on the last episode to uh, rate us on iTunes. Give us five stars. Tell everyone you know about our podcast. Uh, make sure you follow edgemobilitysystem.com or moderntmanualtherapy.com on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Subscribe to our email updates so you don't miss any of our daily blogs uh, on the manualtherapist.com, Modern Manual Therapy blog. Check out Modern Manual Therapy Premium, our uh, site with... 700 videos and counting. It's a subscription, but well worth it. And uh, be sure to check out UpDoc Media's other offerings, our podcasts and our business offerings. And how about you, Jason? How can our listeners find you? Under my last name, Shane Physiotherapy on Facebook, Instagram. And as I mentioned in our last podcast, trying out this new thing called Vero. And uh, that would be it. All right. Have a good day. You too.